Hi, I'm Charles. I'm Christine. And, and we, we eat stuff. Hi, everyone. This is a podcast. We eat stuff and talk about things. My name is Christine Guthrie, and I am one half of We Eat Stuff. In this podcast, we are seeking out people in St. Louis related to food, cooking, drinking, and eating who we want to know more about. Our conversation is with Matt Sider, local bartender and purveyor of fine things. We only met Matt a few months ago, but have gotten to know him pretty well through local organizations and the brand ambassador work he does with Tom's Town. This is one of our longer podcasts, and some of the subjects do get into the weeds a little bit, so you'll hear us geek out over books, old stuff, old books, making cocktails, local restaurants, bartenders from places other than St. Louis, and Matt's comfort with interviews and how he's always ready to make it his own. Uh, Hi everybody, my name is Matt Sider, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for listening, and this is Matt Sider. Okay, let's get the show on the road. Hey, Matt. Hey, oh, were you recording that entire time? Yeah, I was recording yeah, that yeah. entire time. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, it may yes. be using it, but, you know, it's we'll there. We'll see what happens. How's right. it going? Living the dream. Lovely Sunday. Aren't we Excellent. all? Okay, what are you going to make for us here? Uh, I'm just going to open up this drink that I made three years ago. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Cool. So, uh, hi everybody, my name is Matt Sider, welcome to the podcast. We're going to be uh, enjoying beverages first, because every good conversation deserves a beverage. Mm -hmm. So this one, um, I've done extensive research on this one. This is called the Duke and Norfolk Punch. it is a milk punch uh, that is meant to be aged in uh, in barrels for a little bit and then bottle aged. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the older recipes say that it, it that it gets better with age. Mm-hmm. And I've always been intrigued by it. I saw it first in Harry Johnson's um, bar guide, and it's like, huh, that's weird. This is like a barrel aged cocktail mm-hmm. from the 1800s. And upon Ooh. further research. Uh, the first printed recipe I found was from 1745. Wow. Very and, cool. And I was like, well, all right. My interest has now peaked a little bit more. Mm. And finally had, uh, like we did barrel aged uh, cocktails at Sanctuary and all that stuff. Mm. And I didn't want to use those barrels because it had milk in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was like, well, I'm not going to ruin a barrel with, with milk if I can use it again. So we just waited until uh, the barrel pretty much went neutral. It's like, well, the recipe mm. calls for a barrel that had held spirits before. So we, we use that one just one last time, one last mm. little hurrah with it. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, it's overproof, or it's bonded whiskey, mm-hmm. which the original, the original recipes call for like overproof rum or mm. Scotch whiskey, stuff like that. Mm. Um, citrus juices, citrus peels, uh, sugar, and milk. Mm-hmm. Wow. You put all that into the barrel and age it in the barrel for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Dump it, strain off all the curds and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, some some recipes call for uh, putting it in 
uh, essentially like 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 an old rice bag, mm-hmm. and, oh. and and just letting it drip and filter that way. That, sure. That that would form like a a, a crystal clear liquid, hmm. and get every little solid out of there. But some recipes are like, nah, just strain off all the big ones. So that's what we did. Mm-hmm. We we ran it through a series of fine strainers, and um, we had a, a oil uh, fryer filter. The leftover stuff was like uh, bourbon citrus flavored cream cheese we, mm. we spread that on crackers oh bro, I was about to ask you to actually eat that that's oh yeah awesome. we did oh, that's like, awesome I don't wow. know if this is going to work or not but we're going to try it yeah um, I don't have a bottle opener oh. oh I'll be right back we have one <laughs> we don't want to use our teeth yeah I don't no, want to use teeth not, on this not feeling like that tonight <clears throat> so we did that we uh, we aged it in a barrel for exactly six weeks dumped it strained it off and bottled it and mm-hmm. I've been um, over the course of the past three years I've been opening up um, a bottle every now and then like oh mm-hmm. this is actually getting better with age now I'm obviously I cannot have any sort of side-by-side comparison with mm-hmm. this actual vintage to the same vintage but I think it does taste better yeah excellent well thank you for bringing this over this um, for some reason it it appears that it's getting more potent as it sits. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So this is the 2015 vintage. I have not made any other vintages mm. yet. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm lacking barrels. You can throw that in there if you want or not. Uh, this is going to be creamy like milk. Mm. Wow. Are either of you allergic to dairy? No. No. Perfect. No. Thank you, my friend. Chars. Great. Thank Charged. you. Duke of Norfolk. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Perfect. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for bringing this. Mmm. Right, it's like a velvety mouthfeel. It's really interesting. Wow. That is so getting better with age. Yeah. Mm. So the ones, the ones right out the barrel were a lot more bourbon flavor. That, that lactose kind of mouthfeel was there. Yeah. But the bourbon flavor was a lot more pronounced. This is more of a nice melding. You get the yeah. citrus, you get the milk, you get the creaminess, you get a little bit of the bourbon. Mm. Well. But yeah, this is... This is the dork I am. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I love it. I created yeah. this just to <laughs> see. Not for any sort of restaurant use. It was This was all personal stuff. It's like, I'm just curious. Okay, and I, then I, I have to ask... Um, so you were, you wrote a little bit about what you're going to bring over here, and you said you wrote a personal essay about this. Yeah, uh, I actually ended up doing quite a bit of research on this. Um, I I don't have it. I don't have the actual essay on me. It's on my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made like a whole pamphlet and went over the one the history of the drink. So in 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 the essay, I've got um, snapshot photos of the recipes from the actual pages of, of the books. A lot of the books. 1745, 1822, uh, 1813, those are all like books that I downloaded on Google, mm-hmm. on like the Google books. So I, I didn't physically have the books, but mm-hmm. they were exact copies of the actual pages. So I just PDF that, shrunk it to that recipe, <clears throat> and just went through, okay, here's the first printing of it. This is the magazine it was in, page number, whatever. Here's here, here's the recipe as it was written, blah blah blah, and went through all all, all the differences. Um, some of them have uh, agent in a barrel. Some have them um, 
bottle condition it in, in age it and it gets better some of them don't say that uh, there's different liquors used um, when you get into the ones from the 18 1813 and 1822s um, you start to see gin kind of get get in there but mm -hmm. those um this this drink in general was really kind of enlightening because right now and over the past like 20 years all this whole cocktail resurgence all the bars and bartenders are all the bartenders are looking back at these old books. Yes. 1940s, 1862, pr hmm. pretty much Jerry Thomas, 1862 forward. Mm -hmm. Looking at all these old books for cocktail recipes, inspiration, different flavor profiles, mixtures, whatever. Well, in 1862, or in the 1860s, where the hell do those bartenders look at? Mm -hmm. hmm. And the, doing research for this drink opened my eyes. I was like, holy shit. They looked at um, housekeeper's guides. Huh. And Interesting. If you, if you flip, and, and, and those, there are so many of those that have been printed from like the 1500s on through like Victorian England. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's all these um, housemates, house servants guides. Um, and the books themselves are just volumes, you know, Everything from how to fold sheets to mm. how to prep a pork roast to mm. yeah. how to preserve the berries from the master's garden. And, mm. there, and there are sections in there on how to make beer, how to make homemade wine, wow. um, el um, uh, dandelion wine, elderberry wine, mead. Wow. And there's and mm. when, when you get into the 1740s, which is the, the first one, the first recipe that I found of this, um, you, that's where you start to see spirits become a part of those books just because mm -hmm. they were becoming a, a lot more readily available. Um, you don't see cocktail recipes, mm -hmm. like individual cocktail recipes. The whole idea, the whole concept of having an individual cocktail um, for yourself or making it for somebody else didn't really come around until until the States mm. um, in like the 1830s. Mm -hmm. And that's mm. when individualism of uh, alcoholic drinks really started to kind of take shape and take form like that's how you got served mm -hmm. normally it was like punch bowls some sort of communal thing okay um as far as mixed drinks of, of, of that nature but it wasn't until the 1830s in the american bars hmm. um hotel bars specifically that that you start to see that in that individualism go hmm. so obviously these these maid serving bunks they didn't have smaller you know three ounce portions that you know they've got hmm. you know two bottles of this five bottles you know it's, it's gallons of things that hmm. they're that these recipes are everyone was like no i'm sure if you take it and broke it down you could figure out oh well, that would make a good cocktail well mm. here's a good example of it yeah mm. um i suppose the rise of the general store like you know places that had goods that you can buy where they're sold like across large areas i can you basically that probably could help commonize the ingredients that you would have to make a cocktail some degree as well right oh yeah you know um i mean you're you're a larger port cities you know new york new orleans uh st louis for that matter uh even though it wasn't on a coast, it was on a port. Mm. Um, um, Fort Dearborn, which became Chicago, um, mm. you know, th those were all big outposts of uh, commercial trade. Mm -hmm. And that that's where the abundance of goods, um, like limes and lemons, they weren't just at the ready everywhere. Mm. They were only in the big cities. Uh -huh. mm. And since it was produce and it couldn't last, you know, a two-week travel mm. to the interior of the country... If they didn't have it, they didn't. If the climate didn't wasn't good for growing like a lemon tree, then mm. you, you just wouldn't have lemons. Mm. You know, um, but that you know, yeah, it's it's the larger cities, and as um, produce travel, 
the train system, refrigerated cars, all that stuff get into it. That's where you see the, the expansion of it. Civil War did a lot too, um, as mm. far as expanding ideas. Mm. Uh, baseball was one of them, mm. um, along with uh, uh, drinking culture and all that stuff, mm. both from the south and the north and vice versa. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I have so many questions I want to ask you, but all right, we're going to start at the beginning. You did introduce yourself like five minutes ago. And but... started, started to host the show, too, yes. which is wonderful. That's great, though. like your initiative. Thanks. Thank you. We, see, we're going to get crunk yeah. here. Um, so tell people, Matt, who are you? Uh, my name is Matt Sider. I am a Sagittarius. I like long walks on the beach, mm. and I love reading a good book. Mm. Very good. Okay, now, n- now really, mm-hmm. I'm Matt Sider. I'm... Um, uh, I've been bartending in St. Louis for, well, I've been bartending for about 10, 12 years. Uh, bartending in Chicago for a while. Uh, St. Louis, obviously. Uh, been in the restaurant industry for a little over 20 years. Started off as a grunt in the kitchen, washing dishes, scrubbing mm. the pots and pans, clean, mm. cleaning up the bathrooms, and worked my way up. Went to culinary school. Um, I write. I've been writing for Feast Magazine for the last six and a half years. Mm. Uh, wrote my own cocktail book. Mm-hmm. Mm. I read a lot more than what a normal person should. Um, <laughs> so you're a bibliophile. Does that mean I read a lot? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my vocabulary hasn't expanded all that much, but <laughs> yes, I do read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I work for uh, Tomstown Distillery. I'm their brand ambassador, and uh, mm. I've been doing that since June. Now I'm doing a podcast with you guys. Yeah. Cool. Here we are. I was, wearing my, uh, I was wearing my Tomstown shirt yesterday. I wish I wore it today. That should have been a really interesting coincidence. I should have thought of that. That's all right. They can't see us on the podcast. Fair enough. So, no, yeah. that is a very nice Tomstown shirt you're wearing. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I just want to represent. I knew you were coming. Because I'm smart and I see forward in time like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really great about for, you know planning. Yes. We know some nice people who gave us some swag. There you go. Um, um, I was going to mention the... I think the first time we met you was uh, probably about like five, six years ago. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Before we were even doing this photo- photography blog thing, you were at Sanctuary. I think that's where a lot of people knew, started to know about you and what you were doing for them. And we met you because we bought this. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. yes. And you're like, I don't know who the hell these people are, but okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we got this because um, we used to go to Sanctuary quite a lot, and it sort of opened our eyes to complex things and what drinks can actually be. And you're like, holy shit, stuff is happening in St. Louis. I don't know. And there's this dude, and he wrote this book. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yes. So yeah, so so these these five books that I brought here, these all have something to do with how this came about. Uh-huh. In in, awesome. in in some way, shape, or form, and, and we can get into that later. But um, you know, there are other uh, since we're talking about books, mm-hmm. th- there are there are other books that have really molded my career and, and kind of took me in a direction I never thought I would go. Um, <clears throat> when I first started bartending, um, I knew that I wanted to be in the restaurant industry. I knew I wanted to make it a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, all right, well, professionals, they, they study about their profession and they learn as much as they can to excel and exceed. Mm-hmm. Um, expectations and all of this stuff. So I need to find some bartending books and not the little shitty ones that, mm. that you know, crappy bartenders have. You know, mm-hmm. let me find some real ones that could advance my knowledge of stuff. And that's, mm-hmm. where, that's where I found uh, Gary Regan. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I bought one of his very first books. He, he, I don't know if it's his first book, but it's a, uh, it was an old purple paperback, mm-hmm. uh, just bartender's guide mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by Gary Regan. He actually referred to himself as Gary as opposed to Gaz. So mm-hmm. this is prior to that name change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bought that book, and it's like, wow, there's there's all these like fancy drinks that are not martinis that are not sickly sweet i don't need yeah. to use a vodka triple second other shit and call it a different name i yeah. gin you can actually use gin people do whiskey drinks other than old fashions in manhattans mm-hmm. what is this <laughs> this is awesome so so i got mm. that and flipped through and i started making you know i i, I had my own kind of regulars at at villa Frado at that time and um and they were adventurous, and they, they they saw what I was doing and the books I was reading, and uh, some of the more enthusiastic ones. You know, I just asked them. It's like, you know, hey, um, I read this book. I learned about this, this, and this. Do you want to try it? Mm-hmm. And they said, you know what? Sure, why not? So it just kind of, you know, I I made it and I I tried it and gave it to them. You know, some of the drinks, sorry, Gerards. Some never got rang in. You know, it was just <laughs> experimental stuff, but. Um, it opened up their eyes. It opened up my eyes to the whole world. And then from there, it, it was just whatever books I can get my hand on going toward um, going toward the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't until I got to Chicago, though, that I started learning about all these like classic cocktails, or what's now the classic cocktail books. Stuff mm-hmm. written like 1950 back. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit. People, like the bartenders of yesteryear were, they were like actual, like this was a profession. <clears throat> Yeah. It wasn't something they were doing until they grew up. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> like a butcher. Or yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. It's like, damn. Uh, that's actually that's that that's where my mind is at right now. You know, I wanted to make this a career and all that stuff. I just I didn't really know what I was doing or how I was going to do that, other than just being a bartender and expanding, you know, like the actual drink knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then you know, over time, it was just you know reading reading books like these. Um, Going to these larger conventions, meeting people, networking, um, even you know reading uh, pamphlets and all that stuff on bar design, bar setup, uh, bar management. Um, I, I've always been good with numbers, but learning like the actual bar numbers, like mm-hmm. um, P&L sheets and uh, how to you know how to structure a menu price wise mm-hmm. uh what goals you know what financial goals you need um mm-hmm. why do you need those certain financial goals you know why is it mm-hmm. why is the 17 to 20 percent like the the range for liquor beer wine why can't it be 30 <clears throat> why can't it be 10 you know it, what's what's the reasoning for that and um so getting getting more into the professionalism of it um you know drinks are drinks recipes are recipes there's millions of drink recipes out there and uh, you're you're never going to find this is another thing I learned through through all this research Um, and it's kind of a I I say it in this book I taught all my bartenders that have ever trained underneath me it's like look you are not ever going to make a Manhattan like anybody else Mm. we make ours here the way we do because I like it and it's Mm. my show you are going to read all of these cocktail books and you're not going to see one single Manhattan recipe that is like ours. Mm-hmm. Mm. And my whole reasoning with them was like, all right, look look through those books. And I asked a couple of uh, my bartenders, like, I want you to look through these books and I want you to pick out the Manhattans. Just look for the Manhattans. 
and these five books. Mm-hmm. Write down the recipes, page numbers, books, and whatever, mm-hmm. and then come back to me. Mm-hmm. When they came back, they're all Manhattans. They've all got the essentials. Some sort of whiskey, some sort of vermouth, some sort of bitters. Some had absinthe, some had maraschino liqueur, mm-hmm. some had pineapple juice. Mm-hmm. But they were wow. Manhattans. Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, so these are all Manhattans. They're all written within a 30-year time period of each other. But they're all Manhattans. Mm-hmm. If the fucks from last, or if the fucks from 100 years ago couldn't agree on what the hell a Manhattan should be, why should we now? Sure, sure. This is my Manhattan. It, it, it's got the essentials of it. Mm. But there's no standardized recipes. It's just like cooking. There, there's really not standardized recipes for, for much of anything. Like you've got mm. your mother sauces and all that stuff, but all of them can be made with... You add this, this, and this, yeah. and it's still the mother sauce, but it's different. Yeah, just add a little you lemon know? rind or something, and just kind of transform it. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's 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 the approach of bartending, and that's one thing that I um, I think a lot of the younger bartenders, um, just young bartenders, period. No, no certain time period. Back when I was starting up, I was that way too. You know, I thought, oh well, this is this is a Manhattan. This has to be this way because I read it in in this book. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, it once once. Once their eyes are open to, mm, I can do this other ways, and it's still a Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Or if I just do this, if I had this one ingredient and tweak it, I took a classic cocktail and made it my own. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the whole thing about being creative and all that stuff. Recipes are guidelines; they're not rules. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I learned just through my own research, and that's one thing that I instilled in my bartenders: like, they're guidelines; mm-hmm. they're not rules. Mm-hmm. You have one rule: don't don't be a dick. <laughs> That's that's about the only mm. thing. Yes. Keep them coming back. <clears throat> don't be a dick. That's sure. and by not being a dick, they'll keep coming back. So other than that, it's kind of a guidelines at that point. Mm. So boy, that was a tangent I went on. No, that's great. That's we okay. want you to talk. Great. Yeah. I I'm just thinking of questions I can ask. Okay, so follow up to this. So you're sharing stuff that you've enjoyed reading that you find useful. Um do you have any books either to the people who worked with you, worked under you, or just people in your life? Books that you have gifted a lot to people in the past? Um, Not necessarily food or drink related? That I have gifted to people. Um, yes, but unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I unintentionally gifted a few books with the idea that the, that they were going to be borrowed, they were just permanently borrowed. So in essence, mm-hmm. I gifted those books. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really get people books for like Christmas or birthdays. I normally just buy them a shot because it's cheaper and it's like, oh shit, <laughs> damn, it is your birthday. Yeah, give them a shot. Thanks. <laughs> um, I forget my own birthday most years, so um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 bad about that. I can memorize a thousand cocktail recipes, but I can't remember my own birthday or other people's. <laughs> you know, it's funny the things we remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, like, uh, the joy of mixology, that book, um, I have probably, I, I'm probably, I'm probably responsible for about, um, uh, about a case of those books in sales mm-hmm. for Gary Regan. Cause mm-hmm. I lend them out. All of them have my notes in them too. And it's like, damn, what was that? Th-? It's like, shit, I gotta go buy the book again <laughs> because I forgot who who mm. it was lent out to, or they live so far away, mm. and I haven't talked to them in, you know, a few years, like on any sort of other than like happy birthday or a Facebook reminder or something. I haven't mm. really had a sit down. Hey, how's it going? How's life going? It's like, well, shit. Um, if I've gone this long without it, I'll just get another copy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one that I've. Um, unintentionally gifted um 
Another one that has nothing to do with uh, the bars and restaurants is uh, Zealot. I don't know if you've read that one. Hmm. I've not heard of that. No. Um, it is a book. It's a, it's, a, it's a book about the life and times of Jesus Christ using primary sources. Huh. Interesting. Um, the, it, it, was, it got a huge uproar because um, I think it was written like 2006, 2007. Hmm. Um, but the author is um, the author is a Muslim. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Oh, this one interviews before. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, in in his name though, I can't either. I just know the book is awesome. Yeah. Um, but he wrote this book about Jesus Christ, and and if you look at all, if you look at what all the critics said, so that's a book that I, that I gifted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Without going too deep into a synopsis of the of this book, just go out and read it. Um, he's, he was accused by all these, uh, uh, Christian nuts, you know, Oh, how, how can you write? How can you say that about my Lord? It's like, you have obviously not even opened up a goddamn page of this book Mm -hmm. because he's, he's not condemning or anything. He's just here. We've got, he uses the Bible in for certain patches for certain passages, but more as a guideline. Like he, I, I don't know how he got a hold of, of some of his some of his documentation, and some of it is third third hand. It's all like, you know, the uh, the ancient uh, Greeks and Romans that that wrote papers on the papers that were written ab- mm. about that about that time period. Sure. Government documents from yeah. from the Roman Empire, like the, it, it, he he tracked those down. And he spent a long time doing it, and gathered all this information about this person that we know is. Jesus of Nazareth, and I constructed a story and and really tried to put, um, really tried to tell the story of Jesus in a man's mind of that time period, because mm-hmm. concepts, ideals. Sure. I, I mean, we see it here in 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 current life. You know, if you ever travel overseas, the morals, the concepts, the ideals, the fashions. They're different than what they are where you grew up, or you know, or where you were raised. Like your your morality is a little bit different. It's pretty much the same, but there's little idiosyncrasies from from each region. Well, you do that two thousand years ago. Mm. Their ideals of what life is like and what was proper, what was moral, what was not, and beyond that, mm. is completely different. You can't sure. you can't put modern con uh, a modern connotation or a modern concept on something that happened two thousand years ago. Mm. Because it doesn't work. Sure. And that's that's what he was trying to to break through. And mm. like, he even says it in like the first part of the book. You have to get out of the modern everything you mm. know about life. Throw it away because that's not how people two thousand years ago thought. Sure. And and constructing the story of Jesus through that mind frame, it's like, okay, I like this guy. Mm. Um. So so that was really kind of neat and cool, and that that that's one that I've gifted and. Um, uh, one person I don't talk to anymore because I gave him that book. Oh, jeez. Um, but the other one, um, she she's actually going to be giving it back to me here soon. I we've uh, we used to work together out of BCs, and um, I let her borrow it whenever I was out there. And now that the holidays are over and all that madness, we're actually going to meet up. You know, go grab a pizza or something like that, and mm-hmm. I'll finally get my book back and I can read it with all my notes in it. Yeah, <laughs> very interesting. Cool. Okay. Well, where does this uh, love of books first come from? Has it been a lifelong thing? Um, kind of. 
You know what? No, no, it wasn't. Hmm. Um, I I would say my my indulgence in reading has come from um, uh, from college. Uh, hmm. I was uh, I was a history major, and hmm. uh, being in history, you had to read and write a lot. And I just got into it. Um, and at that level, the history that I learned, you know, at, at like your junior, senior year of college, like those books, those classes are are so more in-depth. They're not broad, you know, like your earlier, mm. like you have to take history 101 or mm. 102. That was the boring shit. Mm. And then, but once you get into the meat of, um, certain subjects, which is why all of these books are really kind of narrow-minded. Now, they bring in other concepts from from the world, but mm-hmm. uh, that History 101, History 102, I always thought was kind of boring, um, but it did lay a foundation mm-hmm. for when you get into those more narrow topics, which are a lot more interesting, a lot more going on, and there's a lot more understanding of the world around you. Um, that's where my love of books came from, and that's, again... Reading and writing back in history class uh, really kind of put a spark as far as, like, I want to read more. I want to write. I, mm-hmm. I want to put my thoughts down on paper um, based on this new information that I got. I know it's old information for some. Some people have never even heard of the information that, that I just read. Mm-hmm. But putting that down and putting my thoughts, and now I'm actually getting published and doing that. I'm just doing mm-hmm. more so with the cocktails right now, but there's some other things in the works, and mm-hmm. that's that's that. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Um, when you think of the word successful, who comes to mind for you? Uh, uh, Donald Trump. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Kidding. Uh, Don't turn off the podcast. That was a joke. (laughs) I know you're laughing internally. Um, when I hear the word success, who do I think of? Um, you know, yeah, guys, go on. Finish up. I've had many bottles of those. (laughs) Um, Nobody. I, I um, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm, I've never really been asked that. You know, when you think of the word successful, who do you think of? I, mm-hmm. One, I've never had to think about that. Mm. Um, but, I mean, right now, um, not, now that I'm being asked it, it's like, uh, well, there's no one person. Um, you can say a couple. Um, I, I actually have to ask questions. What's, what's the definition of success? I mean, it's up to you. Well, I mean, there we go. <laughs> it's like everybody's is different, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, just, just generally, what's it we get from people? They name someone, and then they say why. It could be more like instead of naming a person or a type, maybe you like type of people or like we think is a successful strategy for life. You know, for oneself. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean. I know how to define my own success. Like I know what I want to do to be successful. But as far as you know, who do I look up to in in those regards? I really don't. I really don't look up to any one person. Like mm-hmm. I take things from from like I take a little bit from this person, a little bit mm-hmm. from this person, a little bit from this article I read. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that that helps me uh, define and make my success a um, realization mm-hmm. instead of just a thought. Yep. Um, so some people like that, um, over the years, um, professionally, uh, one has been, uh, Sean Kenyon, uh, from, uh, bartender from Denver. Um, the, the way that he holds himself and the way that he goes about it, um, he, he, he's Sean. 
you you take it or leave it. He doesn't give a shit if you agree with him or disagree mm. with him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is who, this is what I think about this subject. And normally it's bar related stuff, you know, mm. uh, not so much definitive as like a certain cocktail recipe or something like that, but about um, you know what's the definition of hospitality mm. or you know how um, how do you uh, hold yourself and carry yourself as a bartender while you're on shift beyond the stick. You know he's got his own conceptualizations about that and some of them i agree with and some of them i don't but i i 100 respect the guy for this is my opinion this is why you don't like it that's fine mm-hmm. it'll be really hard for you to bartend in my bar because mm-hmm. the, the, these are my expectations and this is what i want and it's my name on the lease mm-hmm. it's my bar mm. mad mad respect for that cool i will visit you any time of the year mm-hmm. um you know, but that's, you know, that's, to me, that's, that's a sign of, of success is um, not caring what people think and not bending to what people want in that regards, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's, I mean, you want to define success on like money or assets or something like that. He's got two bars. Um, he's a part of the the mix fits. He's part of the bartenders guild. Mm. I mean, he's done a lot to advance uh, the profession of bartending. So that I mean, he's got all that stuff to his name, mm-hmm. stuff that he did. That's pretty. That's pretty successful. Yeah. So it's sort of the uh, ability to remain authentic and yeah, live in the world of other people. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. And you know th- that's that's just one. You know, there's there's many examples of like that all all around the country. Sean's just one of the first ones that I've been introduced to and got to know on someone of a personal level a little bit more than an acquaintance. Um, you know, another another person, uh, actually two people from uh, Houston, uh, Bobby Hugel and um, Alba Huerta. Uh, she was, um, her her and Bobby worked together at Anvil. Bobby owned, owned Anvil. I think mm. Alba has a part in Anvil, but she went off to open up her own bar. Mm-hmm. You know, those those two people, that, that same mind frame, that, that same attitude. You know, they, they, anybody can make an awesome drink. If you can read a recipe and just do the recipe, it it's they're, they're good drinks. But um, same thing as Sean. You know, the way that they carry themselves, the this is my bar, this is what I'm going to do in my bar, and if people don't like it, well... You know, maybe I'll change it, but I'm I'm going to do it because it's, I I don't care what you think, mm-hmm. hmm. and you know, um, Alba's a little bit more reserved than than Bobby and Sean on that, but she's got that same mind frame, that same attitude, and she she's just a wonderful person, hmm. um, uh, extremely un, un unintimidating, the God, but the smarts on that lady, hmm. um, business smarts, um. I mean, cocktail, bar knowledge, just runnings of the bar. It's like, man, I want to sit down and have coffee with you for like a week. <laughs> just pick mm. your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, as much as people hate him, Jeff Morgenthaler. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but for everybody that hates him, there's at least half a person that likes him. I'm one of those people. I I like the guy because he's rude, crude. And, you know, if you get the theme here, I... I really think people are successful if they just don't give a shit and they just mm. do what they do. Sure. And, uh, Jeff's probably the, the shining example of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. And where is he from? Portland. Okay. Portland, Portland Oregon. Um, yeah. So as far as like success in how 
what helps me define success and who I look to and how they do things. Those, those are a few people that I've followed over the years um, uh, to kind of create my own success story. Yeah. Uh, the way I went about putting together the program at Sank, the way I went about my writings um, for Feast, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of the way that we we created stuff at Sank. It was like, yeah, they're doing that that over there in that part. That's awesome stuff. We don't want to do it. Or, hey, what can we do to make it our own over here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you steal an idea, mm-hmm. tweak a little bit, boom, it's your own. We're not doing anything harmful. Mm. People have been doing it for years, mm-hmm. centuries, mm. eons. Yeah. Mm. So it's, yeah, that's, um, as far as professionally, there's that. Um, personally, uh, success is, um, success for me is crossing off things off the list. Mm. That's what it is. You know, um, mm. most nights I'll, before I go to bed, I'll, I've got a stack of post-its or something mm. and I write down, um, like I've got my, no, my my normal routine and all that stuff. I don't put those on there. But if there's something pressing or if there's something that I really want to do, like, okay, I really want to finish this chapter in this book. Whether it's something I'm writing, reading, or I really want to, you know, uh, do this on my workout for 20 minutes. Um, I, you know, um, and just if I'm able at the end of the day to look at that list that, that I made the night before and it's all crossed, and it's all crossed off. I've done all those things. My day has advanced me forward to whatever extent. I am therefore successful. Mm. And I mean, the one that people most define success for is financial success. Mm. If I can pay all my bills and I'm not like in the hole, (laughs) that's would I have loved to have won the half billion dollar lottery? (laughs) Of course. Sure. Um, But I'm I survive without it, and I'm going to survive after it. You know. Mm. So that's. Financial success, uh, yes, I want as much money as I can, as much money as I need. Um, as long as I'm not sweating over it, I personally, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's not a huge driver in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have a moment in your um, industry career that when you really felt like you made it? Not yet. No? Mm, no. Do you have visions of what it will be? No. No? Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like you're success- successful? Professionally, yeah. yeah. Um, I've because my long term list, I've crossed stuff off. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> wrote a book, traveled the country, and the world. Uh, f- professionally for bar stuff, um, you know, done that. Um, had um, Padawans, mm. uh, people underneath me who have gone on to do their own thing. God, who was it? There was, um, I, I, I recently found this quote. It was, um, shit, you know what? It was in the new Star Wars movie. It was, oh, really? Yeah. In Last Jedi? Yeah, it was a quote from Yoda. Uh, so Yoda, if you haven't seen it, uh, spoiler. Um, <laughs> so Yoda and Luke were sitting outside of the, the Jedi tree. Have, have you guys seen it? No, but it's okay. Don't worry no. about it. No. Okay, so... Yoda and Luke were sitting out outside of the Jedi tree, and Luke is like, "Oh, I'm a failure." You know, he's talking to the ghost of Master Yoda, where he's like, "Oh, I'm a failure. I, you know, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You know, blah blah blah, blah whatever." And Yoda's like, "You know, um, the quote was something along the lines of, you know, the 
the definition of, of a successful master is um, the strengths and abilities and the achievements of his learners. Mm. Um, that that resonated home a, a little bit personally for like a moment, and then there was lightsabers that come. Yeah, yeah. lightsabers, <laughs> fancy colors. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, you know, so I've got um, currently uh, three of the bartenders that I've uh, trained. Uh, they're in three corners of the country, and they're running their own bar programs, and they're cool. very good at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Cool. And every now and then, I'll get a text from every one of them. Um, you know, uh, hey, I did this, uh, or um, somebody said this, and I thought of that moment it sank with you. You know, they 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 keep reminding me of of like those those two and a half three years at sank that were what mm. I'm gonna call just the golden years, mm. um, as, as short as they were. Um, you know, but um, yeah, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine, and um, Key West, Miami. Oh wow, Key West. The only ones, the only corner of the country I don't have covered is the Southwest. Mm. So, um, I mean, why do you call it the Golden Years? What's so perfect about that time? Um, every cylinder was firing as it should have been. It was mm. a well-oiled machine. Mm. We were, we were going through on a Friday. On a Friday night, we were going through gallon and a half, two gallons of just lemon juice. Hmm. Wow. Gallon or so of lime juice, orange juice, grapefruit juice, passion fruit, like yeah. all, all these fresh juices, you know, um, cases, of, cases of booze. Um, just hmm. the doors would open at five. We'd start, we'd start banging stuff out. We'd look up. It was one o'clock in the morning. It's like, crap, you need to get off the clock. You got here 10, 12 hours ago. Just to juice and do batches, like crap, we're almost out of lemon juice. We we just did this. Mm. We open at five, mm-hmm. and t- t- if you're going through that much juice, that means you're going through a lot more liquor. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, fair enough. The nights flew by. Mm. 98 percent of the nights were, I wouldn't say flawless, but they went very very smooth. Mm. There was a hiccup here. Somebody wasn't happy there. That's just going to happen in restaurants, whichever one you're in. Um, You know, but for the, but for the most part, I mean, it was, it was, it was just a well-oiled machine. The people, uh, the uh, cocktail club, we, we had just kind of started. Joel and I started that before Tim and Ryan came on board and to see that organically grow. Like we thought after the first year, if we had a hundred members in that cocktail club, that, that was our definition of success in, in that endeavor Mm -hmm. for us to have a hundred members. Uh, at the end of the first year, we had like twelve hundred members. Wow! So it's awesome. like oh, okay, this I mean, <laughs> and on any given night, walking into that bar between the hours of like seven and nine, and you look at that bar, and you see all these composition notebooks out, mm-hmm. and people actually using them. Yep. Now, they may be drawing dick pics, which some did, <laughs> but but people like physically taking notes. It's like you're you realize you're out to have a drink and have a good time. I know that we gave you this <laughs> material. Mm-hmm. But so many people were coming in and treating it like school. Now, they did have a good time. Like, they'd have, like, one or two drinks right in there, fold up their, you know, close up their book and put it back on the shelf. Like, all right, let's have beer and shots, which is, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. Now now you're, like, speaking mm-hmm. our language. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it was just that. The the amount of friends and, and very, very good acquaintances that I personally have now stem from that time period. Wow. You know, yeah. a lot of those regulars, they're... They're 
they're not just my Facebook friends. Like I've been over to their houses mm. for Fourth of July parties. Mm. Um, I know their kids' names, mm. and now and now their kids are drinking, and <laughs> one of their children is running a bar program. Well, cool. It's yeah. like. I remember when you were 18 and you made me a mojito at your mom's 4th of July party. <laughs> now you're running a bar. Wow, you know, it's that's like, awesome, that's man. that's cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that, you know, ha- had we not done that, had those years not been that way, who knows what mm. life would be like right now. But that's yeah. that's a small part of yeah. what it is. And that's that's what I mean by, by the golden years. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's happening um, anymore at, sanctuary specifically um uh but i mean i'm i'm not there i haven't been there in two august of 2013 is when i left so this august would be five years yeah i know five five years yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. damn dude yeah i know for a while um that was always his request hey it's your birthday where do you want to go sanctuary yeah that was it because the booze there pelly's food it was just you know yeah. Yeah. It was, it was spot on. Everything was we spot had on. Dozens of wonderful meals there. Awesome. So, I yeah. still remember the hot, the hot drinks were my, one of my favorite things. It's, there'd be tons of it too. There's one called, 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 I think it was called the Chicago Overcoat. It was yes. Like, and I just loved it. It would come in this giant teapot. And it's pretty much like three cocktails worth for the price yeah. of one cocktail. Drinking it all throughout the evening, getting fired up. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> but, you, know, you know, just having really awesome, those awesome sliders that Kelly yeah. made and everything else, just so good. I mean, just, yeah. man. You know what we did with those sliders? What? We had a little jar of crack in the back and we sprinkled <laughs> it on so that people, <laughs> that's I'm that's joking, I'm joking. <laughs> we left the crack in the bathroom that's for a, us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I guess other industry stuff. What's some bad advice that you hear being thrown around in your profession? Bad advice I hear. Um, hmm. Um, I wouldn't so much say it's advice that I'm hearing. I think it's uh, it's not advice. I think it's just a misconception of what it means to be a bartender. Mm. And I think people have their priorities mixed. I wouldn't call mm-hmm. it advice. Um, I know one of the things. Uh, back back when I was at Sync and people who now are running bars and all that stuff and, and getting some recognition, I I saw them in the embassy when they first started out and all that stuff and there there was a lot of complaining about well how come i'm not getting written about how come my drinks not in um, xyz local magazine sure. how come how come the spotlight's not on me sure and you know how come it's always on you know you and him and you know her and this it's like well because we're doing more shit than just making drinks you know mm-hmm. you 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 make a good drink and it's one of the top sellers on the menu that's awesome that's what you get paid to do mm. Um, you want to be recognized for uh, having some sort of influence in this industry, more so locally, then you, then you have to actually influence some aspect of the industry locally. You know, you have to make your own mark. I don't know what that mark is. You've got to define mm-hmm. that and you've, and you, and you've got to do it. But just because you make a drink doesn't mean that you should get all this glory. 
the younger bartenders, and I even see it today too. I mm. I think it's anybody that started off in pretty much any industry. I'm I'm sure other industries can can hear this and be like, oh well, yeah, that's exactly what it's like in ours. It it's the younger generation just starting off in whatever field. They see the superstars of their industry, and they want that. They want all the glitz and glamour and, and the mm. accolades and the recognition for the work that they do, mm. but they haven't done any work yet. Mm. It's like you've got to call it whatever you want, putting in your time, Being breaking the mode or br- breaking the mold, mm. um, uh, being invent. You know, you've got to do something mm-hmm. to get to get that sort of to. Not not get to earn that that sort of recognition, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's like respect. You don't just get it. You have to earn it, mm. you know. And that's um, uh, like I said, you know, five six years ago. Well, maybe seven or eight now. Um, uh, the, there were some bar managers and some bartenders uh, who were encouraging that that kind of attitude. That mm. all you need to do is make a good drink, and you know. Um, just because I don't have a better analogy, you know, cry, cry wolf and the press will come. Mm. And mm. when it didn't come, it was like, well, then their cries just got louder and louder. So uh. you, you sound like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm an asshole. I, I can smell my own. So I feel comfortable saying that, but mm. I just, um, that's a bad thing that I see that I have seen that I haven't, I, I haven't seen a lot of, um, uh, rectifying that situation, and I don't think anybody can. I think mm. it's it, it, it's just a part of life. Mm. People mm. who are younger and ambitious, and look up to the the pioneers, the the big people in whatever industry it is, mm. bar uh, the bars included. Um, once they realize that oh shit, I actually got to do something. I have to work. Mm-hmm. Then once there's that that realization. You'll see one or two things happen. One, they get out of the industry because it's too hard. And they give up. Like, well, the, I didn't sign up for this. Um, but then you'll see the, those other ones get like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe those old guys are right. And they actually start to put in time and they start to they start to educate themselves and be and, and they and they start to become a part of the they start to become a part of the industry. They start to become a part of the conversation. And they start to become a part of some really cool ideas that mm. that are in their infancy. And right now, we're seeing some of those ideas of those conversations that started five, six years ago. They're now coming to fruition. And people who were like that, I was like that when I was like that when when I was younger and first started out too. Mm-hmm. I was an arrogant ass. I was like, I can make really good drinks. How come I'm not getting rid of it? Oh, dummy! You you got to actually do something. Everybody can make a drink. Mm. That's what we get. That's what bartending is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm not pointing the finger at the younger generation because I used to be that younger generation. Sure. The younger generation who's listening to this now, they're they're going to hear that. They're going to give me the finger and think and think I'm an asshole. That's fine. I thought the people that told me that years ago, I thought that they were assholes too. That's fine. It's just part of a cycle. Yeah. It's just part of growing up. <laughs> okay. Um. But as far as bad advice going around, um. I don't see any any one certain thing as far as advice that's being thrown around the industry locally, or even nationally for that matter. Um, that's bad advice. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, over at, at least over the last decade. You know, once uh, 
once people got tired of writing about like the history of drinks and all that stuff, you know, that's kind of been exhausted. It's still happening. It's still going to happen. Uh, but you're seeing a lot more re- regurgitation of that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's been a real big focus on uh, healthy conversations and healthy issues in the industry. Um, one is about bartender health in general. Mm-hmm. Drinking too much, exercising too little, mm-hmm. your diet because of the hours that, that, that we hold. You know, you've you've got to if you want to have longevity in this career, you've got to you've got to do you just got to take care of yourself. Sure. And I mean, you know, there's been a lot more seminars, a lot more discussions, blog posts, uh, just conversations in bars with bartenders. Mm. Hey, what are you doing today? What's that workout regimen you have? Mm. Where you know, I'm I'm hearing more of those conversations happening with the bartenders as opposed to. Man, I got hammered last night, and this is what I drank. Or, sure. Yeah. You know, um, those conversations still exist. I still have them too, but they're a lot less frequent, and there's mm. a lot more about, you know, uh, uh, diet, health, exercise, um, business stuff. A lot more talk on business. Like bartenders who, who just go in a bartend, mm-hmm. they're asking their bar managers, and they're having conversations about um, cost of goods sold. What's the price mm. of this? What's the mm. price of that? What's our cost per ounce on on this? Mm. I'm doing this freestyle cocktail for this person. Um, what's our cost on that bottle? Instead of asking them what what should I charge, mm-hmm. they're doing the math in their head, ah. and they're it, it, that's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Like people taking that much of an initiative to where there's there's those conversations of how to physically and financially run a bar. As opposed to just making the drinks. Sure. So that's that's kind of cool. Hmm. There's even some uh, bartenders and mixologists who don't drink. Yes, there are. Yeah, which is very interesting, very cool, actually. You know, that's saying that people, people should never drink, but just saying that be a bartender who's around some all the time and is actually not, just maybe has a taste, uh, but doesn't actually, uh, isn't constantly imbibing. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's part of that whole um, kind of focus on um, health and really like taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is the number one industry for for overconsumption, whether mm-hmm. it be drugs, alcohol, food, mm-hmm. um, cigarettes, sex. I mean, mm-hmm. you, whatever vice you can think of, it's it's, it's as in abundance in this industry as any other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, call it the nature of the beast, whatever. But that's you know, it's it's starting to change slowly, mm-hmm. um, and. I, I mean, there's there's bartenders who I know, they do every other month. Hmm. For every month they drink, they take a month off. Wow. And they plan it. Like, if like if they're going to Tales on Cocktail in July, they know that that week there's going to be, they wake up in the morning, there's going to be booze in their system, hmm. there's going to be booze in their system when they go to bed. It's it, it it's a five to seven day marathon. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're gonna give their liver one hell of a workout. So they need to give it a little bit of a break. I mean, a lot of people take one to two weeks off of drinking after tails specifically for that because they just mm. beat the shit out of their liver. Wow. You mm. know, and not 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 that they were going out and getting absolutely blackout, hammered, shit-faced drunk, but it, if, if you're drinking and doing these seminars, even if it's taste, mm. you take five half-ounce taste, that's two shots, three shots. Sure. You know, if that's how you start your morning off, and then you go to these seminars throughout the day, which, you know, some have food, you know, or little snacks and stuff, but there's there's a beer with lunch, or there's a glass of wine with dinner, and then you've got the cocktail hour here. You know, it mm. 
you're, you're constantly drinking booze. Mm. You know, you just need a break. So there's, mm. I know there's, um, there's a few bartenders I know, like uh, January, they don't drink because they just spent the holidays celebrating. Mm-hmm. Um, November, they don't drink, so they can drink in December. You know, they, they do that or it's, you know, it's one week on, one week off, whatever. A lot more bars and bartenders are doing and promoting that aspect of life. Mm. Like, you know, hey, let's take three weeks and not, let's not go out after work. Or if we do mm. go out to work, we're just going out to eat. Not that I did that back in the day, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't do it enough. Let's put it that way. I didn't do it enough. Mm-hmm. But that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Right. Live and learn. <laughs> My liver was younger. Uh, yes. As we all were. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you about local food and local people. Um, tell us about some dishes or meals or beers that you've had in town that you think people should know about. Um, dishes, beers. Or cocktails, whatever. Or cocktails, mm-hmm. okay. Um, dishes. Um, the octopus at Reed's American Table. Mm. Mm. I have fantasies about that. Wow. You've got to get the... You, you got to get that. We've hmm. not had it yet. Yeah, we've not. Yeah. Get the octopus. Okay. Um, Actually, no, we did have one time, I think. We did. did we? It was a baby octopus. It was a smaller one. I don't know. Uh, it was a whole... Smaller octopus of some sort, but well, this is like it was. I don't know. If, I don't know how often they changed that dish, but it was like a, it was like a bouillon base broth, but it was it was just octopus. They didn't mm. have the clams and also it was it was just like mm. a bouillon base mm. octopus soup. But oh mm. my god, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I just recently, I finally made it down to Iowa buffet. You got to get a burger at Iowa buffet. Iowa buffet. Okay. What is this? It's at the corner of Iowa and Winnebago. Okay. It is an old bar. It's been there for thirty something years, hmm. and it's it, there's nothing fancy. It's meat. <laughs> they got a different. They got a couple different types of cheeses you can put on it, and a bun. You can have raw onions, cooked onions, and pickles added to it. Hmm. The best burger in town. Really? Mm. Wow, wow. No frills. Just the meat itself is good. Hmm. Uh, I mean, everybody's got a burger. Oh, it's the best burger in town, and they throw all the shit on on it. <laughs> yeah. Most yeah. of which are absolutely great burgers. True. Sure, yeah, yeah. That burger, I I will specifically go back to that little shithole Southside Bar for the burger. <laughs> hmm. All right. Cool. Thanks. You know, know that. Yeah. They've got the wood paneling. They got the Christmas lights. It's definitely the the banquet <laughs> tables from the church hall in the nineteen seventies. It is definitely Southside mom and pop bar. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but the burger phenomenal. Hmm. Let's see what else. Um, dessert wise, I'm a big fan of ice cream, serendipity ice cream. Hmm. You got to go there. She, yep. she, Becky's got boozy shakes on there now. Oh yeah, yeah. We they're, actually... they're not boozy shakes. They're spirited shakes. Yes. Oh, there you go. Spirited. Yeah. Shakes. That's right. Yeah. One time, uh, Tim Wiggins was actually guest. Uh, guest shake if it was shake algae. I guess would turn or that bartender. Yeah. But he's making shakes. Yeah. And uh, that's real fun too. Yeah. Uh, those, are good, those are good. are yeah. good spirited shakes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Those are those are dynamite, and yeah. the uh, the uh, Cookie Monster. If oh. you have, mm. if you've not had the Cookie Monster ice cream, get mm-hmm. the Cookie Monster mm. ice cream. That's mm-hmm. a blue one, right? It is the blue one, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it, it, that's quite all right. It's mm. a it's a damn good ice cream. <laughs> what else? I really haven't. It it's it's been a it's been a wild, mm. busy December. I haven't really gotten out all that much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, locally. I know, I've been out in Kansas City. I don't know how many people are over there. Yeah, great um, eating and drinking city there, too. God, the food scene over there is blowing up. Yeah, yeah. Extra Virgin is one of my favorite places over there. I just love that place. There's, 
Uh, place just opened up um, in the plaza called Rye KC. Rye KC. Yeah. I good. remember reading about that. Good it looked really good. Huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Food there is great. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's uh, Mabel's, Maybelline's. Mm-hmm. It's a little sandwich shop, coffee shop, like coffee shop in the morning, and then they do a lot of sandwiches in the in in the afternoon. Just a mm-hmm. nice little. It's down. Um, it's it, it it's between the plaza and Westport, so it's. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what area of town that's called. Hanover Heights or something like that, mm-hmm. or Hanover. Mm-hmm. It's in that area ish. Um, that's mm. a new place to open up. Mm. What was the place? Blue Koi? Is that the place you used to go to? Yeah. That's been there a long time. Yeah. Blue Koi? I've not been to that place. It's in Westport. It's very good. I think it's Japanese or sushi restaurant. Uh, or not sushi. No, it's, uh, I guess it's Jap- Asian fusion sort of thing. Asian fusion? Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. That would mm-hmm. be up my alley. Yeah. It's good. It's like at Westport and, um, or I'm sorry, no, no, no. It's 39th Street. It's 39th Street and State Line Road. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Highly recommend. Mm. Right on. Oh, yep. speaking of sushi, Blue yeah. Ocean. Yeah, we oh. need to go. We have not been there. We need to have go you there. Been there. No, we have not no. yet. Get the twelve. Ty's piece. working there, right? Ty is working there. Yeah. Mm. Uh huh. Um, I went there. Uh, I was doing Tomstown Christmas present mm-hmm. dropping off, and <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm starving right now. So I got. Uh, I just got the twelve piece sashimi dish. Mm-hmm. The. F- the the fish itself was good, but the portions that these guys do, it's like, hmm. that's one of the largest portions of sashimi I've hmm. seen cut. Hmm. That's well worth the money. Wow, yeah. cool. But uh, all the accoutrements that they have with it, I mean, just, just dynamite. Cool. And Ty just told me that they're going to be redoing the interior of it to where the sushi bar is going to be moved. Hmm. And the bar itself is going to have more seating. and Because mm. right now it's, it's like three seats at the actual bar. And mm. then it's all sushi bar. Mm-hmm. So the sushi bar that's there now is going to be moved. And that will be actual bar time. Wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. So they're expanding that bar program there, which is kind of cool. cool. This is in Clayton? No, this is in no. uh, The Loop. Oh, okay. Uh, corner of uh, Del Mar and Westgate. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Mm. Real close to... I haven't um, been there in years. Okay. Mm. Yeah, you got Blueberry Hills on the south side of yes. Del Mar. You mm-hmm. go... On the north side of Del Mar in the first intersection. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know okay. exactly where yeah. that is. Hmm. Cool. How's that trolley coming along? Uh, <laughs> they're apparently they're 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 begging for like a half million dollars. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to bring that, but it's just one of those things. The that... rails look pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a trolley in Kansas City. And it looks really nice, and it it seems to be working for that. Yeah, and we've got that New Orleans, you know. We've got New Orleans, or a trolley system, look pretty cool. We'd actually didn't ride it, but... Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be cool. I mean, it's just like, uh, it's cost more than it's supposed to be, and it took so long, some business shuttered, because no one could get to them, or easily. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Mm. Well, if you ever get this half million dollars, you know, it's like, dude, you're Joe Edwards, you, you own the loop. Yeah. Roll it out there, buddy. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You know. Because I was going to ask, Matt, tell people if they want to find you in person or online, where can they go? Uh, online, Facebook would be the easiest. Um, in person, I'm fairly incognito. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you if you know where to find me, I, if you find me on Facebook, I do guest bartending shifts uh, with Tom Sound or on my own at... Uh, most recently, the Monocle, Miracle mm. Bar, 
Uh, I'll be picking up some shifts at Small Change. I'll be doing things around the city with more so with Tomstown. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, other than that, um, I'm to a point in life where it's like, uh, if you don't know how to get a hold of me at this point, there's probably a reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is Small Change? Uh, it's what Miracle Bar is. Oh, oh okay. 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 So it's it's a Ted Jamie's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their place. new concept. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Gotcha. Yeah, it's um. That's a new industry bar, right? Uh, neighborhood bar. Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Focused toward industry, though. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, I mean, it's uh, there's good, there's no room for a kitchen, so there's there's gonna be no no food there. It'll mm. be, uh, smaller snacks. The I uh, just found out that they will have a food vending machine, and they've got a microwave there. Oh, interesting! So, so like that's lean cuisines and hot pockets. Something of that nature, yes. <laughs> Something of that nature. Uh, hot pockets. Um, All right. But that's uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was down there um, uh, Saturday yesterday, yeah. helping them take down the the ungodly amount of Christmas stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, but like a silver ballroom, they have like they used to have Taco Circus delivered there. Yeah. You know, regularly, so you get get out Taco Circus while you're drinking and playing pinball games. That's so, right. Yeah, has something similar maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I don't think that they're. I know that they're not going to do the food truck thing just yet. Maybe in the summertime when mm-hmm. they, or maybe when they get the patio open. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't even know how far down the road that that is for them. Gotcha. Patio, but, mm-hmm. They do have room for it, so. Yeah. Matt, then my last question for you for this podcast. Okay. I imagine we'll talk afterwards yeah. until we <laughs> shut this off. Do you have any asks or requests for the folks listening to us? Asks or requests? Anything at all. Um, I ask that you listen to this podcast frequently and often. Um... You mean this specific episode or a podcast in general? Just in general. Oh, good. good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if they're listening to this one, then they'll hear it. Hopefully, it'll inspire them to, you know. Well, thank you. Hearing this one on repeat maybe <clears throat> make it boring after a minute or two. Um, uh, God, that's such a weird question. Do I have any requests for people listening? Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah. be, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Tip your servers. Mm-hmm. Be patient if you're in a crowded bar. If you're four deep, your drink's going to be a minute. Mm. <laughs> um, God, I sound like like a Thrillst article right now. A listicle? Yeah. Like top ten reasons, yeah. ways to piss off your bartender. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, not really. All right. Other than that, no. Have fun. Be good to one another. Matt, thank you so much. Thank you. This is very yeah. fun. Thank you. Your thank drink you was guys. delicious. Thank mm. you much. Yeah. I'm Christine Guthrie with We Eat Stuff, and this has been another episode of We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. I'd also like to encourage everyone to join our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash weeatstuff. There, you can become a sponsor of this podcast and all the work we do, and be rewarded with cool stuff. We appreciate your support. Please join us next week for another interview. But in the meantime, go out there and eat stuff. Bye, guys.